Hello humans, Sam here. Very special episode today. This is actually an episode from another podcast called The Best Advice Show, hosted by a friend of mine, Zach. And this episode covers a story of mine, and I just thought he did such a fantastic job. We actually had to record twice. He needed more. He asked if, hey, can we grab some more uh, interview? I said yes. I thought it turned out spectacular. And when he asked if I would be willing to share on this stream to you listeners, I was delighted and excited to share it with you. So here is a special guest spot on our podcast, Making Amends in the Key of C. And if you like this episode, please remember he has his own show called The Best Advice Show, where you can listen to many more. Enjoy. Hey, it's Zach. This is The Best Advice Show. Sam Lamott is my guest. He calls himself a teen dad. My son is 12. I had my son when I was 18 or 19. God, I can't remember now. But so I've just always felt like I'm a teen dad, you know, or at least a former teen dad. Ex-meth head, college dropout. And I'm somebody who's trying to figure out what it means to be human. Sam has some advice for us today about how to make amends. But to get there, I think you need to hear this story first. It starts when Sam's 15 years old, he's living in the Bay Area, and he's trying to feel part of something. You know, I didn't have a dad. There was this hole of what it meant to be me in some ways. And, you know, I don't know if it's all my dad's fault or not. But anyway, to have a pack of guys and to be a part of a pack of guys you know, we felt like we felt like we had it all figured out. I think the jump from just normal adolescent kind of um, rascality. Yeah, being a normal adolescent rascal and upgrading to kind of more severe, more severe crimes like breaking into cars. We wanted autonomy. We wanted money. Other kids were breaking into cars. One kid found a Rolex one time, sold it for a lot of money. And was like, you know, when you're a teenager, you're not working. I didn't get my first job until I was 16 uh, and it didn't pay much. But, you know, to have this promise of like, you know, money is freedom as a, as a teenager. And I knew stealing was wrong, but... I wasn't thinking about the people who I was hurting or affecting. What I was thinking about is my relationship to this group. And I didn't want to be the person that turned down the challenge. So one night we go out and we didn't go out far. It was actually pretty darn close to my neighborhood, but we're walking around and we're checking door handles of the cars, which is why you should always, by the way, lock your cars at night and preferably not keep any valuables in there because there might be shithead teenagers like me skulking around in the night. But anyway, every single car that we went up to was terrifying. It was like we're going to get caught at any moment, but we keep going. We try one car, no luck. Try a second car, no luck. None of the nice looking cars that look like they have nice looking things in them are unlocked until we come across an old hatchback. It's probably 10 or 20 years old, in rough shape, but its door is unlocked. And 
inside it was a small toolbox that we we grabbed. And when we get home, we open it up and it's full of musical instruments. It's full of a 12-scale harmonica set and a really cool retro vintage microphone. Looking back on it now, I can see that we had basically stolen someone's livelihood. Uh, This was a, I presume, a working musician in kind of a beat-up car. And this was a, a secret in my closet. Eventually, my mom found it, and she knew what had happened. And I forgot what her punishment was, which might have been just more grounding, which meant more time to practice harmonica. If you blow into the fourth hole, your harmonica will produce the first note of the major scale. In this case, the note C. I eventually was able to play enough, at least to entertain myself. And there were always kind of this secret hidden in my closet. When I was 15, I was so far away from the adult that I'd stolen these harmonicas to. But as I get older and older, I'm actually drifting further away from that 15-year-old version of myself and closer and closer into the working artist adult. And the significance of these harmonicas is becoming greater and greater over the years. Eventually, the weight of these stolen harmonicas becomes too great to even hold or to handle. And that secret in my closet had become bigger and bigger and bigger as I become closer to a working adult and can realize, oh my God, what if someone had stolen my woodworking tools? What if someone had stolen my this or that the other tools that I use to make money for myself? So eventually I have to just get rid of them. As my addiction story goes on, I had done worse and worse things, but this was one of the highlights of a an injustice that I had played a part of with my own hands. You know, nobody had forced me to do it. So after I got sober, one of my mentors explained to me the importance of making amends. And amends is to try and right a previous wrong. And it's not about seeking forgiveness. This is very different than a Western apology. It is about trying to, as close as you can make up for the damage that you caused in your life. And so often an amends will not come with forgiveness or with a big redemption, except for a redemption for yourself. There's three parts to an amends. One, if you can find the person who you wronged and it's not going to harm them for you to emerge back in their life, you admit what you did was wrong. Say, hey, what I did was wrong. That was an injustice. Two, you let them know that you don't do that shit anymore. I've reflected on what I've done. I don't do that anymore. And you can apologize in there too, but three, you ask if there's anything you can do to make it right. Sometimes the amends itself will make up for it, but, you know, other times people say, hey, you know, you you, you took $300 from me. I, I, would, I would like to get paid back and... and That's a nice even transaction. But in this case, we didn't have a way to get a hold of the person who I'd wronged. And so my mentor at the time said, 
almost nonchalantly, like it was not a problem. He said, great, you're going to buy 12 harmonicas and you're going to go around and carry them with you and wait for opportunities where appropriate to go find a musician that could use a new harmonica and to explain to them what I had done and why I wanted to make things right with the universe, with myself, and give away these harmonicas. So I, I would basically walk around the city of San Francisco and Marin County, and if I saw a, a street performer or a musician or, or, or a, somebody performing anywhere at a, at a bar or club or on the sidewalk, and it looked like they might be the type of person who would like a harmonica, I'd say, hey, my name's Sam, can I speak to you for a second? When I was 15 years old, I stole 12 harmonicas from a professional artist, and I can't find the person who I've wronged. So I'm just trying to figure out a way to make things right with myself and with the world. Could you use a harmonica? On one night, I'm walking through Fairfax, California, and there's a guy just walking down the street playing his guitar, and his name was Otis Scarecrow. And I stop him for a second. I say, hey, my name is Sam. Can I tell you a story? And I tell him the story, and I hand him the harmonica. And he, he stares at this harmonica, and he's just kind of shaking his head in disbelief. And he goes, you will not believe this. I was in New York 30 years ago, and I had an amazing jacket with hundreds of pockets. <laughs> I had everything in this jacket. I had weed. I had this i had that and among other things i had 12 harmonicas the whole scale and i left my jacket on a on a bar stool and somebody had walked off with it so to have this harmonica come back to me now 30 years later is pretty radical so after you gave that 12th harmonica away did you feel different it didn't feel like a white light redemption moment but over time I've become more and more at peace with myself where if somebody came up to me and pointed a finger in my face and said thief you're a thief before it would have pierced me to my core because there was a part of me that still felt like a thief that still felt like that little shit who was taking things that wasn't his but if you were to point a finger in my face and call me a thief now I wouldn't even identify with it you know, I've done everything in my power to get right with myself and to get right with my community and get right with the people that I've wronged. And so I wouldn't say that there was a, a white light redemption moment, but it's been a process. Like most things, change is slow. And as I, you know, in the moment, it's hard to tell when change is happening. It's almost like if you're trying to lose weight, you don't really notice it on a day-to-day -day level, but you might see a friend that you haven't seen in 60 days and they might go, oh my gosh. So that, that perspective looking back, I can see how far I've come. I can see how my self-esteem, at least about my behavior, has, has gone up more and more as I try to face these things that I did before. So how does one start the amends process? I mean, you had a very creative um, way of going about this with the help of the mentor, but how does one start?
If today you're thinking about some of the things that you're still carrying around and wanting to make peace with them and to move on from them, the first thing I would recommend is to not do this alone, to invite somebody in, a a dear friend, somebody who won't judge you. And certainly there's somebody in your life you can find that you can tell. Sometimes it, it means telling another person who is as much of a scoundrel as you are in a particular area. It's one of the the cool things about recovery groups is I can tell another addict (laughs) all the things I did in my addiction. Like, oh yeah, 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 me too. Or I know a guy who did that too. But the first thing is to not do it alone. We're not lone wolves. And lone wolves don't actually survive in the wilderness very long. They've been mythologized, but we are pack animals. And so it's to invite somebody else in and say, hey, I am trying to clean up some of the past wreckage of my life. I really want to move on from this. Will you help me? Will you witness me go through this process and and help me come up with a creative way to get right with it? And then it's to write down all the things that you're still ashamed about, all the things that you've ever done to other people that cause significant harm, and to look at them and to process them. It's not just about jumping into action and, you know, you might have stolen $100 when you're 20 and now that you're 50, $100 is nothing. And so it's not just about going and being like, here, here you go. Here's a hundred bucks. It's about understanding it in context, understanding what it meant and how to possibly get right with yourself and get right with your community and get right with the people that you hurt if you have a way to, to reach them. And sometimes you can't reach them or sometimes it's not appropriate. For instance, if you, um, if you showing up in someone's life would really throw a wrench in their life and they want nothing to do with you, it might mean that part of your living amends is just to leave them alone and to just let them heal on their own time. It's not often appropriate for the person who hurt somebody to be the healer. If you were a, a terrible partner and you made somebody deeply insecure, how can you moving forward in your life create security in the people whose life you touch? Can you make people comfortable in their own skin? Can you stop criticizing? Can you live in a way that is in direct response to the way that you used to live that caused people this harm? Trying to change who you are because who you are has hurt people is you really got to get right with yourself and get right with the actions that you did. And that can be incredibly painful to go back to them and admit that you did wrong. But as much as it is for making things right with other people, with the people that you hurt, most importantly, it's about making it right with you. Somehow, some things feel irredeemable, but I think that there is a path to redemption for almost everything. Sam Lamott, he hosts the wonderful podcast, How to Human. As always, I would love to hear your advice. Give me a call on the hotline at 844-935-BEST. That's 844-935-BEST. Talk to you soon.